Welcome, welcome all to another episode of your favorite podcast, Targo. How the hell are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Good to be good. here. Good this, to see you. This is Targo. I'm Redbeard. Welcome to Bruising Banter. Um, today we got quite the episode, buddy. Lots to talk about, man. Lots of transfers. Lots of rumors. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. But first, before we die, deluge. Di- 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 can you talk? Yeah, you I can't dive talk in. Today. Dive into this. What you drinking? I am drinking Zest Coast West Coast Pale Ale. Ooh. It says California Dreamin' Citrus Packed Hot Profile. That's a fun play on words. That's kind of fun, huh? <laughs> we'll see how it tastes. Also, check out the mug. Bruising Banter. Yes, sir. Beauty. That is okay. It's <laughs> no, okay. That's okay. Not exciting, not underwhelming. No, it's okay. okay. All right. Well, I'm drinking a cosmic collaboration between Ecliptic Brewing and Sierra Nevada. Obviously, I still can't talk. Uh, It's Sechi Hoppy Wheat Ale 2023. Fun can. Terribly put on the can, though. Uh, Yeah, let's try this out. Well, cheers, yeah. How was it? It's okay. It's okay too. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> no it's, special it's, beers today. It's hop. It's like if you were to take an IP, uh, Blue Moon and turn it into an IPA. I always Very love hoppy. your analysis of your beers. Yeah, I'm well, just like it's good. It's yeah. bad. A little hoppy. A little not. A little fruity. I drink a lot in my time. So <laughs> those are our brews. A small a for beers. <laughs> those. Are... <laughs> small what? No, a small <laughs> For the brews. Well, those are our brews. Let's get to some banter. Welcome to Brews and Banter. Make sure to check out our socials, our Facebook, our Facebook group, Instagram, TikTok, our YouTube channel, and our Redbubble. Got some sweet merch, including one by yours truly. This guy. Yeah, not me. Uh, New Messi. Yeah, Messi. Coming to Miami. Coming to Miami. Or Miami is getting messy. You yeah, know? Maybe. Something maybe like that. Maybe one of those things. Uh, important announcement. Next Friday, August 4th, join me, Redbeard, as we do our first ever Transfer Rumor live stream on YouTube. Make sure you go check it out. Follow, like, subscribe. Hit the notification bell so that way you know when it's happening. I won't tell you what time. All right. Let's get into some news, Targo. There's a lot. There's a lot. So... Stop me if you got some comments. Okay. All right. First up, Yunus Musa to AC Milan for 25 mil, leaving Valencia and Samuel Chukweze from Villarreal for 20 million plus 8 million in add-ons. Fantastic signings for AC Milan, man. Yeah, man. They've been on fire in this transfer. Pulisic, Loftus Cheek. Now we got Yunus Musa and Samuel Chukweze. Woo! Ugh. I think I'm more excited for the Samuel Chukwese one, if I'm, if I'm being honest. I am too, but they have so many wingers at this point. They do have some wingers. How are all of them going to play? Oh, I've through the grapevine, I've heard that Pulisic, they're thinking of playing him maybe behind the striker as a number 10. So he may not be out on the wing. We'll see. Well. You'll have to watch see. him in preseason here in the U.S. Yeah, that's uh, quite the plug there for <laughs> Mr. Pulisic. Okay, Javi Simmons, Simons, Simmons, Simons, 
Join RB Leipzig on loan uh, from PSG after he just signed for them for $6 million. I think it's great for everyone involved. Yeah. PSG, get a youngster for the cheap. Send him out on loan to get some more experience. RB Leipzig need... Need someone after getting rid of Sabutzalai and, and Kunku. Yeah, and not to mention one of the most exciting youngsters in all of European football. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, Spurs and West Ham looking at Connor Gallagher uh, as their new midfielder. Chelsea saying it would cost 50 mil to part ways with the young midfielder, especially after West Ham just had a 40 million pound bid rejected. I don't know why Chelsea are trying to sell more midfielders, man. They need midfielders. I, I don't think they should sell them. I mean, unless they're planning on bringing in Moises Caicedo and maybe another person. I say keep them. I mean, they have no European football this season. They just have the league and cup. They could go with a thin squad. I would say keep them, but if I'm Connor Gallagher. I probably want to leave a mess of. Yeah, but I would probably. Do I want to go to a mess of Spurs? Probably not. I mean, I mean, West Ham probably is the most exciting thing. I think I'd prefer Spurs over West Ham. West Ham, you're guaranteed a starting spot. There is competition, yes. But, I mean, you're replacing Declan Rice. But he's not the same kind of player and as Declan have, Rice. And you have European football. But he's not the same kind of player as Declan Rice. You're right. So that's why I would choose Spurs over West Ham. Because I, obviously I think they're looking at him as a Declan Rice replacement or you know, at least someone to fill in for that midfield after Declan Rice left. And I, he's not that kind of player. To be honest with you, I'd rather stay at Chelsea than go to Spurs if I'm Connor Gallagher. But, you know, let us know what you guys think. All right, now we get into the fun stuff of all of the uh, Saudi Arabian signings. Some of the Some. Saudi Arabian uh, Al Ali have signed Newcastle winger Alan Saint Maxima for 25 mil. And to replace him, Newcastle have signed Harvey Barnes from Leicester for 38 mil. Good signing. I guess I have a question. Do you think any of the other top four clubs would take Harvey Barnes? He wouldn't be a starter, but probably. You think so? Yeah, he's English. He's young. Not for 38 mil, I don't think. Which he is scored why... like, what is it, 13 goals last mm-hmm. season? So, I mean, he had a good goal contribution. I mean, I, I, I expect him at Newcastle to be more of a squad player. Because, I mean, he plays on that left wing with Anthony Gordon. Alexander Isak's been playing over there. So, I, I don't know where he starts. I don't think he does start. I think he's I think Newcastle's a substitution, looking, looking yeah. for more depth because they do have Champions League football this season. Well, he adds depth. So, yeah. that's that is one thing. Um, and quality and depth, which is the most important thing for me. And I think he's kind of that type of player that Eddie Howe likes, that hardworking kind of a player, you know, not like yeah. St. Max. I, I definitely think he'll become a much better player under Eddie Howe. That's for sure. All right. Everton have signed Arnaud Danjuma on loan from Villarreal for the season. Ironic, isn't it? This one's funny. <laughs> Because Spurs hijacked his move to Everton in January. But he goes there anyways. Six months Wasted later. six months at Spurs, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, because he didn't play very much. Two, three games? Yeah. I saw him in a League Cup game. He scored some goals. and That's about it. Substitute appearances, yeah. yeah. 
Um, speaking of players going back to places they should have stayed at, uh, Wolves have re-signed free agent Matt Doherty. From Spurs. From Spurs. Uh, was it? Or was it AC Milan? Or Atletico Madrid, not AC Milan. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. Should have just stayed at Wolves in the first place. Yeah. Um, 34-year-old Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is signed for Marseille on free transfer. We had nothing to say about that. <laughs> yeah, he's taking a pay cut, going to France, didn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, wanted to stay in Europe. I would have gone to Saudi Arabia for the money at 34 years old, but, you know, that's me. Aston Villa. Now, this one I'm excited about. Aston Villa have signed 19-year-old Musa Diaby from Bayer Leverkusen for reported 50 million euros, beating out Arsenal, Manchester City, Al Nasir, and Newcastle for his signature. How big of a signing is that? Fantastic, huge, amazing signing for Aston Villa. I mean, you think about the guys they brought in: Musa Diaby, Pau Torres, Yuri Tielemans. Yuri Tielemans on a free man. That's yeah, that's a stellar summer on a team that was already overperforming under Unai Emery. Who finishes higher, Aston Villa or Chelsea? Aston Villa. Okay. But you give, making me give away my predictions now instead of our <laughs> prediction episode. It's just two, and I didn't say what position. I just said who finishes higher. <laughs> Assonville. Yeah, because uh, I think Unai Emery is a better coach than Potch. So. Okay, uh, former Manchester City defender Benjamin Mendy has signed for FC Lorient after he was found not guilty uh, on 13 allegations of rape against him. Played his last game for Manchester City against Spurs in August of 2021. Um, Two years. Two years of his career off of false allegations. When is he going to stop against professional athletes? It's not even – we've seen it in American football as well. Deshaun Watson, so – yeah, it's, it's unfortunate for him, unfortunate for his career. Hopefully he can get back on track. Obviously, FC Lawrence a major step down for Manchester City, but I think it's the road he's going to have to take. Yeah, build up his reputation again, show everybody he's still got the class he had when Manchester City signed him. Which, August 2021, wasn't that like a couple of months after they signed him? I think he was there for a season. Okay. Uh, Joao, Joao Felix, uh, in an exclusive interview with Here We Go himself, Fabrizio Romano, says he's always been a dream of his to play for Barcelona. Uh, they're looking to be rumored for an exchange of players rather than an outright bid with Ferran Torres and Frank Kessie being rumored, but I just want to say it. You play for Atletico Madrid. Why on earth would you say such a thing? I want to play for your rival in Barcelona. He's just trying to burn every bridge? Probably. I mean, I I don't think he goes to Barca. I don't think so either. I don't think he would fit in at Barca or do anything probably well with them. I mean, honestly, his value has dropped like a freaking rock here the past couple years. This little sin at Chelsea didn't help him at all. I mean, that was supposed to get his career back on track. I, I do think he needs to leave Atletico. Yeah. Where that is and who wants to buy him, you know, that's that's a whole new question. And I mean, Atletico aren't going to get even half the money. (laughs) They're not going to get, no, not what they paid for. Okay. All right. So the uh, players that have been signed for Saudi clubs, we got Jordan Henderson for Al Etifak 
at 12 million. Fabinho Al Ittihad for 40 million. Alex Tellez, Al Nasir, undisclosed fee. Riyad Mahrez, Al Ali, 30 million. Malcolm, remember him? I too. Yeah, Al Al Halal for 60 mil. Where's he Zenit at? St. Petersburg said, okay, got the same there. amount of money back for him as they paid Barcelona for him. How much did Barca pay for him? I think it was like 30 mil. I think it was more than that, man. I think it was, I thought it was like... No, Zenit paid 60 mil for him. I thought Barca played big money for Malcolm. What I saw, but you could be right. Uh, and then Moussa Dembele signed for El Atifak for free. So, turning down every offer... From Europe, which apparently hasn't been much because he's been a free agent for three months now. Makes me wonder what's wrong with his game. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, to the, uh, the insane big. Kylian Mbappe news, uh, Al-Halal have offered PSG a world record transfer bid of 300 million euros that has obviously been accepted. However... They offered Kylian Mbappe the largest contract in the history of world sports, a staggering $776 million proposal for one year. That's wild. One year. LeBron James has made around $520 million in his entire career. That's nuts, man. If you're yeah. Kylian Mbappe. So obviously the whole, the whole Mbappe situation is he doesn't want to sign for – Another however many years, PSG have told them, okay, well, if you're not going to sign another contract, you need to leave. But Mbappe is like, no, I want to stay here at PSG, leave on a free free agency next season. And PSG are saying, no, you can't do that. We need to sell you. Or we risk having to sell 150 million players to make up for the deficit. For financial fair and so they've freezed him out. He's oh. training. He didn't travel for preseason. No. He's training with the reserves or under 21s, whatever it is. What do you do if you're killing Mbappe? Do you just say, okay, I'll just sit here? I mean, with the amount of money he's making at PSG. Sure. Why not? So do you, do you sit on the bench at PSG? You wouldn't even be on the bench. You'd you, be in the stands. You don't play. Yeah. Real Madrid comes, picks you up next year when you're free. They obviously are going to be able to offer you a lot of big signing bonus. Or if you're Mbappe, do you go play in Saudi Arabia for a year, collect almost a billion dollars, and then go to Real Madrid? Honestly, if I'm killing Mbappe, I waited out until maybe with this contract offer, as long as PSG will allow me to, and then see what other teams come in for me. If nobody does, I mean, that's an insane amount of money. And, you know, I, I said this before on the the show that every team in Europe should just be throwing an offer. Mm-hmm. Obviously, PSG want to get rid of them, so they need to collect something. And if it's a team Mbappe might be willing to go to, why not? I mean, why why, if you're Newcastle, throw in a bid. If you're United, throw in a bid. If you're Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool. Just any- Barcelona, even just exchange players. For Juve, I mean, come, any of them. Yeah, Napoli. Just throw it in. No. I mean, the worst he says is no. Yeah, which he probably will. But I, I, I don't know what he would do. I personally, 
Kylian Mbappe, you have the world at your feet, my friend. Yeah, I mean, uh... he's one of the best players in the world. <laughs> uh, the only thing I would say is if he goes to Saudi Arabia, then what if he sucks there? He he's gets like four goals. It's not, he might get four goals in his first game. <laughs> but he's not going to suck. You just pick up the ball from a defender and score a goal. I mean, he wouldn't have Champions League, though, and no. we, Euros are But he's still playing. Up. That's the point. He's still playing. I, yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, I will say, it would make me interested maybe now in watching some of these Saudi It games. would be. Yeah, I know we had that discussion before the show. and Yeah, I would definitely try to at least tune into one game. As of right now, I would never turn in, tune in to watch a Saudi Arabian football match. You wouldn't right even now. know where to watch a Saudi yeah, Arabian game. I wouldn't either. Probably YouTube where they watch uh, live golf. So, uh, Okay, other players in talks to uh, sign for Saudi Arabian clubs. Sadio Mane to Al-Nasir, Gigi Buffon, a named club. Saul, uh, is that Niguez? Yeah, something like that. Uh, Al-Nasir, Neymar to Al-Halal. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic, Al-Halal. And then a new proposal for Romelu Lukaku from Al-Ali, who apparently have up their per-year... Uh, salary for him by like fifty million. So I'll go through these. Sadio Mane, I I don't want to see go to Saudi Arabia. Not yet. I know he had a poor season at Bayern Munich, but I do still think he's good enough to be playing in Europe. Gigi Buffon has already said he won't go to Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saul, sure go. Whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Neymar. I again, I would not like to see him go to Saudi Arabia yet. Same with Mitrovic. Lukaku, yeah, you can go, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a whole shit of himself. I mean, Bye-bye. going to Juve and <laughs> Andrew Milan's like, nah, we don't want you now. Chelsea don't want you. No one wants poor from Lukaku. Yeah, the worst part for Lukaku is he dug himself his own hole. So he gets to lie in it. He does. All right. Liverpool have opened negotiations for Romeo Lavia with Southampton. After seeing their initial offer of forty million pounds rejected, um, one of the bright up and coming teenagers in the English Premier League, he played great for Southampton last season. Although he had no help around him, James Ward Prowse. James Ward Prowse. Okay, and he scored all the free kicks. So, <laughs> I'd be great pickup in my opinion for Liverpool. Yeah, I think Southampton though they're wanting fifty mil. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, Inner Miami, home of uh, Barcelona 2.0, or you can call it 2007, whatever you want to call it, uh, because they already have Lionel Messi, Sergio Busquets, and Jordi Alba, uh, but they want to add a fourth and fifth former Barcelona player with Andres Iniesta signing as a free agent. Uh, and then they're in negotiations to sign Luis Suarez after adding another international spot to the roster. Uh, also, today, uh, at time of recording this, it has been 10 years to the date since Arsenal put in their infamous $40 million and $1, or one euro uh, pound. bid, pound, uh, to activate Suarez's release clause. That was a funny, I remember that. Yeah. That was a funny sequence of events. That was absolutely hilarious. Good on Arsene Wenger. Uh, poor on you, Luis Suarez. You would have been a legend. Uh, anyways. Going back, Speaking though, of... Going back to Inter-Miami, let's talk about uh, Messi's debut here for a second. Because what... 
Speechless, man. Like, are you kidding me? What a debut. Messy, Messy did what only Messi does. The a storybook. Storybook in front of his home fans, comes on as a sub, has a free kick in I 93rd, 94, seven minute. Upper V. Tied 1 1. Tied 1 1. Game winner. And then uh, also today scores two goals in his first start for Inter Miami. So. <laughs> Three goals, two games for Messi. Uh, how high is his goal total going to be by the end of the season? Over, under 60? Well, the season's almost... 50. I'll, I'll give him 20. Tell me when to stop. I'll give him 20 because we're, we're halfway through Three the goals, season. Three goals, two games? Halfway through the season. But the, the quality well, of the MLS, I'm going to go 30. But, man, him and Busquets look good together. Oh, like, God. they've been playing like for 20 prime. years. Well, when you go down from Barcelona to... Inter Miami. Inter Miami, who's last place. I mean, they're making them look like a first place squad, but you know the level of play around you when you can bring in a what thirty eight year old Andres Iniesta and Luis Suarez that hasn't seen a competitive game in ages. Uh, he was playing in South America. I know he's he been plays having... in Brazil. I believe it was for was it Grimero, Grimo, whatever. Grimio. Grimio. Uh, he's been playing on the bench, though. Oh, he's so. been having some health issues with his like, knees. Mm-hmm. I know it's a big part of it. But I, I just had to mention that messy thing, man, because that's wild. I it's mean, wild. The goat. Yeah, the goat doing goat things as only the goat does. Speaking of Barcelona, they've signed Oriel Romeu uh, from Girona for 6 million euros. Uh, what a journey that has been for him i know holy cow he's not young he's in his 30s i'm yeah, pretty sure he's 31 i believe 31 or 32 played at southampton they let him go because he wasn't good enough i guess but he killed it at girona killed here. it at girona now playing for barcelona living the dream of anyone oh. over 30 all right, Manchester United, speaking of over 30, Manchester United <laughs> have signed veteran Johnny Evans to a short-term deal, and Eric Ten Hag has said he's open to a more permanent transfer after he left Leicester City on a free. Uh, what? Would you take Johnny Evans over Harry Maguire? No. No? No. He's a good veteran defender, brings experience. Yeah, but we saw how he played last season. He's slow. He's... Because he's slow, he's just as error-prone as Harry Maguire. But Harry Maguire's at least got some speed to him, some physicality. Johnny Evans isn't even going to be Johnny Evans can to... pass the ball. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and not wrongly to his own goalkeeper. Now that Manchester United have Onana, they're looking to play out the back. Yeah, that's true. I'll be honest with you, I would rather not take either one of them. But that's just me. Okay. Alexander Mitrovic has said he will never play for Fulham again after they valued him around 52 million pounds as he's determined to force a move to Saudi Arabia, claiming that Fulham are trying to price him out of a move. You think he's worth 52 million pounds? Yeah. He scores goals, man. Yeah, and he's really good at it. He's He scores goals. Yeah. He's physical. He gets on the end of balls. He'd be a fantastic but center forward for 20, any team. 28, 29? I don't even think he's that old. No? He's young. I, um, let me look. Let me look. Okay. Well, I think it's close. I think 52 is a little bit of a stretch. I think 45 is probably about what he's worth. 
Um, he scores goals. That's for certain. So, yeah, you're right. He has 28. 28. Yeah, I think 50 is probably about right. 52? No, I think it's 45 maybe, but... 45 with add-ons. Yeah, <clears throat> about right. I don't know what his fuss is about. Scores goals. Yeah. Goal scores. I guess he just wants money. To go I think Saudi he does, Arabia, yeah. So... He wants money. Okay. Uh, speaking of players, uh, well, how about an achievement that's never done, been done before? Completing the fantastic segue Bundes, there, man. Bundesliga. Way through that one. I know. I know. <laughs> I told you I couldn't talk today. Um, must be too many beers, but that's how it goes. Uh, completing the Bundesliga hat trick. Marcel Sabitzer. Marcel Sabitzer has joined Borussia Dortmund from Bayern Munich and previously played for RB Leipzig. First player to play for all three teams. Yep. In the history of the Bundesliga. Uh, reported 19 million euros. Good deal for Borussia Dortmund. Not bad, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's still got some legs under him if you can stay healthy. He looked good for Leipzig before he went to Dortmund and didn't look terrible for Manchester United when he went on loan yeah. there. And he didn't ever play for Bayern Munich at all, so... So, yeah, Marcel Sabitzer looking to replace Jude Bellingham as he went to Real Madrid. That's, uh, I mean, everything is going to be a downgrade after Jude Bellingham. Oh, duh. But it allows me to debut my all-black Bruce Dortmund jersey. Okay, speaking of trios, I got this segue down. Trio. Trios. All right, so trio of teams. Players. We're going to go to a trio of players because Galatasaray – now have one of the most exciting front threes in all of football after they signed Mario Cardi and Wilfred Zaha after they had already signed Nicolo Zaniolo. Zaniolo, yep. So yeah, Cardi was there on loan. They made it permanent. And Wilfred Zaha, free agent, signs for Galatasaray. That front three is going to be a monster as long as they can keep their tempers down. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about a Cardi, man. He's... <laughs> He scored 22 goals for Galatasaray last That's year. That's wild. Yeah. He's still got it in him. It's whether or not, well, I guess if his wife tries to out him at any club. But that front three is scary to me. That's a good front three, yeah. And then playing in Turkey, they're just going to rip apart teams. So, but we'll get to Turkey a little bit later. Uh, Fulham have signed Raul Jimenez from Wolves. For 5.5 million euro, uh, pounds. Looks like Mitrovic might be on his way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, either way, I think that's a brilliant signing for that price. 5 million? Yeah, not bad. Yeah. Bayer Leverkusen have signed Victor Boniface from USG. Union Saint-Gerois for 20 million euros. We were talking about him almost all year last year. I tore up the Europa League. Some team needed to come in and sign him. Glass Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen, one of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, and then probably the biggest news that nobody cares about. <laughs> Tottenham owner, British billionaire Joe Lewis, has been charged with orchestrating a brazen insider trading scheme in New York, uh, arrested on July 25th. It's also said he told Daniel Levy that Harry Kane doesn't sign a new contract to sell him. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be interesting. To that see is if that, the, that is the news that people care about. The rest of it, no one really does. 
Oh, a billionaire getting oh. caught up in some legal stuff. Yeah, some insider trading scheme that he doesn't need to do to get more money. Weird. Anyways, that's it for the news and transfer rumors. Today we have a special for you. The world's biggest rivalries. I should be more excited to say that. But it's the world's biggest rivalries, man. It's, yeah, there's some heated ones out yeah, there. Uh, ranked by the Bruce and Branter crew. As so, by us, yeah. As by us. So, Targo, um, where should we start? Well, I'll start at my number nine or number ten. We did top ten here, so I'll start at my number ten. It is Der Klassiker. Der Klassiker. Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund. So, I mean, they're the two best clubs in Germany. Yeah. By far. Um, and it really, I would say, it got heated in the 90s when Dortmund were some, a little bit more successful, mm-hmm. won some titles. I will say it's probably definitely faded here in the past few with Bayern's dominance. But Dortmund have always been there pushing them. I remember mm-hmm. a certain Champions League final. Yeah. Dortmund and Bayern Munich, that was a good one. And so, yeah, they're just the two best clubs in Germany, and it's it's always fun watching them duke it out. Yeah, it is. Um, only reason they're not on mine is because Bayern Munich habitually signs players from Borussia Dortmund. So one is clearly much bigger than the other. And to be honest with you, especially the last, I would say, since the last time Borussia Dortmund won the title, hasn't really been close until this last season. So they didn't make it into my top ten. They went out of mine. They're the two best teams in Germany. It's the biggest rival, one of the biggest rivalries I'd say in Germany. It, so it, it made is. it onto mine. Yeah, um, and it's definitely the closest rivalry because any other one is not in Germany. Not usually, yeah. number one and two. Yeah. So number ten for me, the Paulista Derby, Corinthians and uh, Palmeiras in Brazil. Uh, it's two of the oldest football clubs still active in the city of Sao Paulo. Uh, some of the highest attended matches in the world with an average attendance of over 90,000 fans. That's insane. The most being in 1974 with over 120,000. I didn't know they made stadiums that big, to be <laughs> honest with you. Spectacle of the crowds often littered with flares, TIFOs, massive flags, drums, and the sound is a sight to behold. If you haven't seen it, make sure you look it up. Uh, it's also one of the bloodiest rivalries in the world, uh, often marred by violence. Death toll is in the hundreds. So it sounds like a rivalry, but let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched that game? Uh-huh. How many times? What? And so that's why it's not on mine. Fair. That is fair. Uh, How but... many times do you watch Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund? Probably 10 times. So there you go. Yeah. That's why. I mean, I, I'll admit, I've never seen that derby. And so that. Because well, it's not televised. Yeah. And yeah. so, I mean. But I mean, I'm sure there are rivalries between the fans are fierce. But again, if it's not. It's hard to pick it when it's not kind of a world renowned, world watched rivalry. It is. And you're right. Um, but I mean, it's been played 375 times. It's a lot. So you've seen it once out of 375 I times. Have. I have. <laughs> uh, and it was also established May 6th of 1917. So Been around a while. Been yeah. around a while. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, Paulista Derby. I think it's crazy. Mostly I've just seen like the fans and heard the atmosphere yeah. 
and seeing the bloody, I guess, carnage that the comes carnage. between the two fans interact, two sets of fans interacting. So, and let's be honest, football is all about the fans. It is, yes. All right, so my number nine, I think, has the best name out of all of these. Yeah, it does. I know it's on your list. The the Derby of Eternal Enemies. <laughs> the best name. Olympiakos and Panathinaikos. It's uh, two Greek teams playing out of the capital city of Athens. And yeah, this is, it can be traced back to the social differences between the regions. Like, the, you know, the wealthy and the poor. Yeah. It's usually how a lot of these mm-hmm. rivalries go. Yep. There's a, a rich side of the city and the poorer side of the city. And yeah, then... they're also usually started, you know, back when that was a thing, right? Yeah. Like now times, yes, maybe the sets of fans come from those same fan bases, same economical differences. So but the teams, as far as money goes. The teams, yes, yeah. nowadays especially, yeah. like like you said. But yeah, this, this one's had some violent stuff happening. Oh, yeah. Some oh, fans oh, have yeah. been killed. And oh, so it's, yeah. it's a feisty one. Yeah, it is. And it is on my list as well. <laughs> Mostly because of the name, but also because of... It's the, the name, man. It's the name. Yeah. I had to put it on there for the name. It has the best one. Yeah. Um, I'm going to stay around that part of Europe for my number nine, the Intercontinental right. Derby. Fenerbahce against Galatasaray. Now, these are arguably Istanbul and Turkey's biggest teams. They are. Yeah. Uh, they compete in the International Intercontinental Derby. I didn't know it was called that, to be honest, before we started doing the research so, here. Turkey is an interesting country mm-hmm. where half of it's in Europe and, and half, half of it's, it's in, in the Asia. Middle East. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So Galatasaray are from the European side and Fenerbahce are from the Asian side. Wow. I set you up for that little tidbit there, yeah, didn't I? Thank you. That was good. Uh, I can't set you up, but <laughs> you did great. Uh, yeah. So you can see how the differences might arise. Uh, yeah, it kicked off many, many moons ago. Let's just be honest with that. Uh, they both competed in the final of the first ever Turkish league championship. Fenerbahce came away winners four to one on aggregate losing one nil on the first leg. So they won the second leg four nil. Ouch. Impressive. Yeah. Um, just like the two before three before, I guess, technically lots of hooliganism, lots of deaths. Uh, but it's not uncommon in these sort of rivalries. Graham Sunis. Uh, definitely was the one who reignited things, though, in the 90s. Fun story. In the Turkish Cup final, when Fenerbahce were heavy favorites, Graham Sunis coached Galatasaray. They won. And the Scottish manager ran into the center of the pitch and planted a massive Galatasaray flag in the center to incite the Fenerbahce supporters. (laughs) Fun story. Uh, years later, Galatasaray fans honored it with a TIFO, but it has been played 397 times. It's a lot. Yeah. Galatasaray leading 148 wins, 122 draws, and 127 losses. And I expect them to get some more wins with Wilfred Zaha, yeah. Mario Cardi, and Nicolas Zaniot. 100%. All right. So I had to get one international rivalry. You know, I was racking my brain on the biggest international rivalries. You know, Mexico-U.S. was a good, is a good one. You know, here lately you saw all the red cards in their latest yep, clash. Yeah, 
mean, you got Italy, Scotland, England, Scotland, Spain, Portugal, yeah. England, but Germany. None of, none of them compare to this one. It's it, no, they're the two of the most successful countries, and that's Brazil and Argentina. Yep. And so they're obviously countries right next to each other, close proximity. They're the best in South America. And there's always the comparisons, you know, Pele, Maradona, who was the best? One's from Brazil, one's from Argentina. Now you got Pele, Ronaldo, Maradona, and I'm talking R9, Ronaldo, thank you, and Messi. So some legends, absolute legends that come out of both countries. Both of them have won the World Cup multiple yeah. times. So, I mean, they're just, it's just fun. It's a fun game to watch if you ever get the chance. Oh, it's so fun. So that is my number eight, Brazil against Argentina. It's a good one. It's a good one. And I racked my brain for the best international rivalries. And I'll be honest with you, all of these club ones excited me a lot more. Speaking of which, I'm going to get a lot of shtick for this You're one. You're going to get some for I'm me. I'm going to get some. You're going to get some for me. Number eight. And I'm throwing a curveball in there. The North London Derby. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Arsenal and Tottenham. I mean, it's the most heated rivalry in London. That's for sure. Although it hasn't really been close. Um, I mean, it's not and actually by location in nature, which is funny. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> Their stadiums are really close. Yes, they both hail from North London. Yeah. But the ill will exists from before Arsenal moved. Well, yeah, it's a whole story about how they got moved there and some something like that. I'll let you tell the story. I, think. I mean, Arsenal were, what was it? They were originally in South London, was it? Some other part. The, the, the I mean, the National Armory. And they moved to North London. Um, but, it, I mean, the rivalry isn't really because of the ill will or the ill will isn't because of the football it's because of the actions and power of one man and he didn't even play soccer so uh rivalry didn't unfold on the pitch but in the back rooms at the negotiation tables it's a good argument arsenal doesn't even belong in the top division of english soccer um but you know i don't know why that is I didn't do my research well enough, so <laughs> I kind of stopped it there. Um, well, I'll go to mine then, because my number yeah. seven is also the North London Derby, <laughs> Arsenal and Spurs. You know, they are the two big clubs there in North London, obviously. They're stadiums separated by seven kilometers, four and a half miles, not far. And I, again, one was more of a working class, the other was not. Mm-hmm. Spurs being the working class kind of club. And, you, you know, you say it hasn't been close, but I, I'll point out the past few years, Spurs have finished above Arsenal. Yes. Um, I would say before that, it wasn't close. I mean, Arsenal... The, the overall is not very close. Arsenal have obviously had the better times when it comes to this derby. Arsenal famously winning the title at Spurs. So... Yeah. Uh, I mean, so, okay. Let's be honest, I'm doing my research right now. So, uh, it was Sir Henry Norris 
who stepped in to save Arsenal from liquidation in 1910. Uh, and that's where the rivalry really started. Because that's when they got moved. Yes. Yep. Yes. Uh, he moved them to a greater populated central location in the city of London, which was, like you said, seven kilometers from Tottenham Hotspur. So that's really where the rivalry started. I didn't know that. It's fun. Okay. You're number seven, Arsenal and Spurs, which brings yep. me to my number seven, which I'm still going to get stick for. So it's fine. Uh, the Northwest Derby. Liverpool against Manchester United. Uh, they're not just two of the biggest earning and widely known clubs in the world, uh, but they also have the most trophies in all of England. Most successful, yep. Yep. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you. You could say the Manchester Derby. You could say the Merseyside Derby. This one, I'll be honest with you, is more fun than the other two. Because for the majority of the Manchester Derbies, Manchester United throughout history have been better. Oh, until the oil money yeah. came to Man City. As yeah. far as Liverpool and Everton, same thing. Always been Liverpool, Always yeah. Always been Liverpool. Uh, but they were both, both cities were competing throughout the years in industrialization and modernization. And the two most successful clubs in England, true heavyweights, and honestly, watching them play. I'll be honest with you, sometimes I think that there's more passion in that game than their other respective derbies. There is. That's this is I think this is the biggest rivalry in England. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, w- I would say it, it's pretty close as far as the two that we just listed, North London and Northwest. I think this is bigger. I think this is the biggest rivalry in all of England. Okay. I'm not sure. But because of the trophies, I put this one ahead of the North London Derby. That's a completely biased opinion. Uh, but it has been played 211 times, and United currently lead by 11 wins in the Derby. So that one's one of the most fun to watch. All right. Well, my number six is the Derby della Capitale. Oh. Roma v. Lazio. Yes. So they both play in Rome. And, man, there's something special, I think, about Italian fans. Oh, God, there is. There's so much fun. There's something special about Italian fans. I love this, Zarvi. It's so much fun. It's feisty. These teams always go at it. It is. And it's not pretty football to watch. No. Because it is feisty. (laughs) Both play at the Stadio Olimpico. It's fun. It is fun. Um, kind of like another Derby from Italy that we both have on our list. So speaking of you love Italian Derbies, I love North and South American Derbies. El Trafico? No. <laughs> I mean real rivalries, not made by the American news stations. Uh, how about El Super Classico? Chivas. Chivas and Club America. I mean, this one is nuts. Absolutely nuts. I've watched this one more than once, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Liga MX's fiercest rivalry. Uh, I mean, there's usually a brawl in every single one. This one's always spicy. Yeah, those yeah. Liga MX games are can be feisty, that's for yeah. sure, during these. 
And that's why I love it is the passion from the players. Um, I mean, Club Deportivo, Guadalajara, or Chivas, and Club America are the two biggest teams in all of Mexico. Uh, Each have seen their own period of dominance in their histories. And the rivalry, honestly, is shockingly close for how long they've been playing this. Uh, They've played it 249 times. Club America is only leading 92 wins against 79 for Chivas. So, All right. Well, my number five is the Northwest Derby, Manchester United versus Liverpool. Again, this is the two most successful clubs in England. And you had mentioned it. It was almost like a battle of two cities. Yeah. Like you said, like each was trying to, each city was trying to outdo the other for industrialization. And so, yeah, I mean, I think this is the best, best rivalry in all of England. It's definitely in my, it's the biggest rivalry. Yes. The best, I don't know. It's the best clubs. Historically, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right now, no. But do you remember the last one? That was pretty. Yeah, that was pretty. Historic. That was very one-sided and very <laughs> historic. Yes. Um, we remember it all too well. It was on a live stream, which is fun. So, uh, yeah. My number five. The Derby of Eternal Enemies. Best name. Best name. That's I why know. I had to go so high. No. It's because... I don't think it should be above <laughs> Liverpool Manchester United, but... <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a doomed curse of a Greek god. It really does. Oh, don't get me wrong. It has the best <laughs> name, but better than Liverpool, Manchester United? Ah, oh, no way, man. Let me tell you a story, okay? Because they're culturally intertwined as well. Okay? So, Panathinaikos founded in the city center of Athens. Um, like you said, drew the wealthy cloud, crowd, right? Olympiakos resides in Piraeus, which is the port suburb. Because, I mean, you've already alluded to this. Mm-hmm. Very different. Tremendous working-class supporters for Olympiacos. Uh, I mean, because of that, it's led to broken seats, riots, fights, violence, deaths, uh, and they played 215 times. So, Still not better than Liverpool Man United. Again, it's the fans. Liverpool Man United... The fan portion doesn't really excite me. The play on the pitch it excites me. Panathinaikos and Olympiakos, I mean, they've been some great players to play for these teams throughout the years, especially, you know, was that early, mid-2000s? I remember when Rivaldo went to Greece and yeah, played with him. with Olympiakos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one, I was like, what? Yeah. So, they've had some great players throughout the years. Okay. Let's just say that. Okay. Well, We're my on... number four. Is our number four is the same? We finally agreed on something. We agreed on one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's yeah, let's elaborate. Our number Sorry. four, the old firm derby. Rangers versus Celtic. Oh, this one's so exciting. But <clears throat> even Celtic fans don't call them Rangers anymore. What do they call them? Because they got put into liquidation and got relegated. Oh. Yeah. So yeah. Two of the biggest clubs in Scotland, Celtic Rangers. You know, this one is also one of those that's has historical, religious, cultural roots. Yeah. You know, it's representing the, the Catholic Celtic and the Protestant Rangers. And so that's really, I think, where the big rivalry comes in. Well, not only that, but 
Dating back to 1985, these two teams have won the Scottish League title every single year. 1985. Who won? Hearts or Aberdeen? I would say Hearts. Aberdeen? I don't know. Probably (laughs) Hearts, I would guess. I don't know. But these two have won the league every single year since then. That's an insane amount of time. Doesn't surprise me. That's almost 40 years. Doesn't surprise (laughs) me. You remember the, the... Celtic team of years past, Henrik oh, yeah. Larson. Oh, I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, who was that Japanese player? Scored a banger of a free kick against Manchester United. Nakamura, I think. Yeah. They, 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 that Celtic team used to compete in the Champions League, I would oh, say, yes. regularly. Regularly. Versus, you know, more recently. But, yeah. Yeah. I mean... Between them, they've won over 105 League Cup championships and 73 Scottish Cups. That's 178 titles <laughs> between two teams. Well, you know, it's going to be one of the two that wins it. It always is. It always <laughs> is, but still, it's insane. Yeah, it's just... They played 436 times. That's a lot. Uh, Rangers actually leads that. 169 wins. To Celtics, 165. So that's real close. That is the closest in <laughs> that's any. That's a real that close. In uh, at least my research, but let's be honest, that might be the most played and the closest in all of world football. That's fun. That is fun. They're that close. Wow, four games. Yeah. Okay. So my, I'll go to my number three. I used to watch this game honestly as a spanish credit when i was in high school because <laughs> it was in spanish and so i'd watch it and this is the super classico from argentina boca juniors against river plate mm-hmm. this is one of the feistiest rivalries in the world it i love watching it one of my favorites it watch. is fun it man is so much fun it's if not my favorite it's the two most popular clubs in argentina both called buenos aires home so they're both from the same city. And, you know, again, rivalry developed through finances and the contrast between the neighborhoods. And that usually gets it going. Yep. And you're going to add more to that later because it's still up there on my list. I know you have it on yours. Yeah. So I'll save it at that. Okay. So my number three, also your number two. It is. The Darby della Madonnina. Enter against AC Milan. I mean, until I guess they still play in the San Siro technically, but they're getting a new stadium. If I'm not correct, not yet. I'm not wrong, not yet. But uh, I mean, it's named after one of Milan's icons. First off, the statue of the Virgin Mary resting atop the Metropolitan Cathedral Basila, uh, known as Madonnina or Little Madonna. Fun fact. Uh, it's never produced, never not produced memorable images. Well, we Every had it in a Champions League semifinal one. this year, yes. man, and that was fun. It was. And, man, it's one of the most historic rivalries. One. Two, um, they're literally separated just by the color of their jerseys. <laughs> one's black and one's blue. Black one's and black blue, and red. One's black and red and Recently, they've had the same, the stripes the same way, which is crazy to me. 
because usually it used to be one vertically, one horizontally, but you know. Yeah, whatever. enters used to be horizontally, yeah. didn't they? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I remember because, well, Ronaldo. Pirelli. R9 played for both teams. So, yeah, I mean, it's it goes as far even to their cricket teams. Don't follow cricket. So I, I don't either. You. But uh, it's interesting that the rivalry goes beyond just football. It goes to every sport. And, yeah, it it's one, it's one of my favorites to watch. Granted, over the years, I'll be honest, it got a little boring. Until the Champions League semifinal, which was very exciting. I would say the early 2000s, it was a oh, fantastic God. one, man. Some of the greatest teams of all time. Those Milan teams, Inter teams, back and forth. Back when you had the Wesley Snyders, Samuel Eto's. Yeah, I mean, the Gennaro Gattuso's, Andre Pirlo. Kaká. Kaká, Ibrahimović. Um, Played for all of them, Ibrahimović. Oh, yeah, I know. And Juventus. Whatever. Uh, yeah, 237 times, Inter leads it by 10 wins, 89 to 79. Sounds pretty close, too, then. Yeah. Only 10. So, yeah, my number two, the Derby de la Madonina, or whatever, how do you say <laughs> Madonina. it? Madonina. Madonina. Inter Milan, AC Milan. Yeah, they both call the San Siro home, like you said. And they're the two most successful clubs in Italy. So, yeah, fantastic rivalry. Yeah. Um, fun fact, though, I did not mention this. They used to be the same team. Did you know that? I did not. Yeah. Until when? Uh, Milan Cricket and Football Club split over a disagreement of signing top foreign players. Would-be AC Milan refused to sign them, and Inter, a.k.a. Internacional, or Internacionale, uh, or as was it Jamie Carragher says, Internacionale, uh, that was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on Champions League uh, match day. You should hear some of the ways you pronounce some of these names. I too, know, though, I hear them, <laughs> which is also some of the funniest things I've ever heard, uh, especially when I know how to pronounce them. So, uh, But yeah. International would turn into Inter, and AC would be. They didn't want to sign for I know players. it was also more of a working class versus a upper class kind of Which situation. Which is weird. It seems to be how everything goes. Yeah. So. All right, Targo. I'm going to go with my number two since we covered your number two because it's the same as my number three. And to a surprise to you, um, El Clasico, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. You're wrong. It is Definitely You're the wrong. world's fame, most famous You're rivalry. Wrong. Yes. Uh, the most money, the most star power, and the most sociopolitical turmoil. Nothing beat a Messi-Ronaldo El Clasico match, man. Nothing. Well, I will tell you, it's definitely the closest rivalry in the history of the world. And it has deep roots as well. It does. It does. It's not just the two best teams. It's the deep roots to it. It is the deep roots. But this is a completely biased ranking. So it's not my favorite. Should be. It's not my favorite. But it's my second favorite. Okay? Okay. All right? So I'll let you get into your number. So my number one is a Clasico. (laughs) (laughs) Barcelona, Real Madrid, man. The two biggest clubs in Spanish football. I mean, like I said, the rivalry goes beyond just the game. It's regional, political, cultural differences between Catalonia, Barcelona, and the capital of Real Madrid. I mean, this this was the game, man. Oh, 
again, there's it goes back to the civil Spanish Civil say, War. Don't forget the Spanish Civil War. I mean, this is back in the 1900s. Yeah, I mean, both sides were emblematic for ideals and policies on either side of the war. So, yeah, it's huge. Literally, wars were fought yeah. over. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think El Clasico. Like I said, the the best. Years of El Clasico where the Messi of Ronaldo rivalries. Uh, it's not quite as, I would say, hot today. It's lost a little bit of its excitement, but. Some would say pep. Pep? It's lost some of its pep. Or just pep. <laughs> lost pep. Some of its mess, I would say. But yeah, th- those Messi, Ronaldo. I mean, just even the celebrations, iconic celebrations that came out of that game. Just fantastic. So much. My favorite. Even I. Messi holding up his jersey. Even Ronaldinho. I remember Ronaldinho going off in El Clasico's. Ronaldo with. Galacticos. Ronaldo's going off on El Clasico's. So those were just the best. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they are very good. They are. But they're not a super Clasico. (laughs) <laughs> my number one River Plate and Boca Juniors El Super Classico um, I'm not going to lie it's my favorite to watch 100% I, it's probably honestly the one I've watched the most the most yeah because like I said I used to have to watch it for a Spanish credit in high school man my teacher would let me get away with that it was like this is homework awesome yeah and it, it's it's one of the most fun to watch, not only on the pitch, but in the stands. Like They have to be separated by barriers. Yes, they do. And even in 1968, 71 fans died after one match. Uh, yeah, 150 were injured in the same match. That's insane. Over 200 people. Both sets of fans blame each other. Of course they do. Uh, it's still the bloodiest day in all of Argentine football, but yeah, I mean it. it I mean, even in 2015, Boca fans attacked River Plate players with pepper spray. The Copa Libertadores. Three years later, River fans attacked the Boca team bus. It, it's just it's insane. I and guess the, that's where you that I- game had to even be moved to Madrid. I guess that's where you and I defer is you look at more the fans and I look at the actual game. You do. You do. And, you know, it's unmatched, this one, for the fans. It's unmatched. The amount of emotion between the two sets of supporters. It's a good one. I'm like, I'm not going to – what did I have it at? My number yeah. three? So, yeah. yeah, it's I love it. Yeah. It's a fantastic one. Yeah. So, that's my number one. I did it for the fans because that's really where the passion of football comes from and really really where the rivalry does stem from. I did it for, again, the the football that was played, Mm -hmm. but also the historical roots. Yeah. I mean, this one goes back to the 1900s, El Clasico. So, yeah, that was my had to be my number one. I agree. Um, But what do you guys think? What is the biggest rivalry in all of football? There's some other ones out there we know There's of. a lot. Like we mentioned, the Manchester Derby, the Merseyside. How about West Ham Millwall? Mm-hmm. I almost made my list. That's another good one. 
Or how about in the MLS? Sounders, Timbers, El Trafico, yeah. LAFC, LA yeah. Galaxy. Cascadia Cup. That's got three teams. It does. So there, there's some good rivalries out there. Let us know on our Facebook page, Instagram, TikTok. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment. Give us five stars, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to this on your podcast platform. And on that note, man, love you. Love you guys. It's been fun. Cheers. I'm Redbeard. That's Targo. (laughs) This is Bruising Banter.